If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on? Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Coffee and California Politics. Uh, today's going to be a little bit of weird, but like a mishmash show. We're going to talk about some new stuff, what's been going on. Um, also, this article that uh, I was reading on American Greatness. And um, I'm just going to give you a pre-warning for people. If you haven't tuned into this show or you haven't been following that long, I'm just going to preface this by saying, if you know me, I know you know that I call out the Republican Party a lot, um, mostly because I believe there is plenty of room for improvement. And that's really what frustrates me is that there is a lot of room for improvement. Um, I am not by any means a blind loyalist. I'm not someone who is going to just vote red no matter what. You know, I'm not one of those people. Uh, I've always told all of my listeners and all my followers, you should always do your own research. It just so happens that a lot of the stuff that I like or that I support, the policies that I support, happen to end up in the Republican Party. So I do end up supporting a lot of Republicans. Um, That doesn't mean I am a blind loyalist, though. It doesn't mean I'm just going to go... Oh, you're a Republican? Okay, bleep. So we're going to go over an article today. Uh, in American Greatness, where they, they that's what they're asking. They're asking you to just basically be a blind loyalist to the Republican Party. Um, and I don't agree with it. I think it, it's really kind of weird how they wrote it, but we're going to get into that in a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the L.A. City Council, what is going on right now. Uh Funny enough, as it always turns out, Democrats who always say everyone else is a racist and they call you a racist just based on the fact that you are Republican or that you don't agree with them or you're not a Democrat. Turns out uh, three of the L.A. City Council Council people actually are racist. So um, now it's gotten all the way up to uh, former Vice President Joe Biden is now through his press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, has said that it's time for them to resign. Um And then uh, that's basically what we're going to talk about today. So in some announcements, October 29th, I'm very excited to be a part of this event with Anthony Cabasa. It's the Freedom Revival event. We're going to be doing it here in the Waterfront Park in San Diego. Um, You can check Freedom Revival. They're putting up a whole bunch of stuff about it. Uh, I'm very honored to be part of the team. Me and Anthony are going to be interviewing all of the candidates. Uh, There's supposedly going to be an enormous turnout of people. uh, So I'm very excited about that. I'm going to be posting more. If you want to learn more about it, you can go to Freedom Revival events, and they're going to, they have all the stuff over there. Uh, it's going to be a great event. I'm, I'm very excited about it. And, I, and again, I'm very honored to be asked to be a part of it and uh, interview a lot of the candidates. So uh, people like Lonnie Chan, I believe, or Brian Dolly are going to be there. A lot of big statewide candidates are going to be there. So we're, it's going to be a big event. It's not going to be some rinky-dinky little event. There's going to be a, some big names. Um, so... Thank you, Camille. Yeah, go Freedom Revile events. Check that out. Uh, Tomorrow night, Cynthia and I are going to be breaking down two more propositions for you, Prop 1 and Prop 30. I think there's enough to talk about with the two of those. Prop 1 is regarding uh, the constitutional amendment, basically legalizing abortion all the way up through delivery. Uh, So we're going to talk about that. And then Prop 30 is the one talking about... um, 
what's the one that's the one where they want to tax people over two million dollars to help pay for electric cars and electric infrastructure and stuff like that and ironically it's or not ironically it's funny enough that uh noodles doesn't even support it he's come out against it which is odd that he's come out against the tax we'll talk about why he's kind of come out against this it's not necessarily because he's against taxes it's um it's against um let me see. It's against how it's being done. I guess Lyft is behind it. They're going to get a big benefit. So he said, hey, what are your thoughts on Dave Smith's endorsement of Blake Masters? I hadn't seen it. Um, is Blake Masters, who is Blake Masters? Is he the Republican running for Senate over in Arizona? Um, Vinny Boy obviously pays attention. I do talk about Dave Smith a lot. So, um, yeah, if Dave Smith, the Libertarian endorse them i'd be interested to learn more about that i didn't know he endorsed them or that he said anything about them. I, if you correct me if i'm wrong i think blake masters is the republican running um so that's a big deal if a one of the most prominent voices i would say the most prominent voice in the libertarian party uh dave smith came out and endorsed blake masters that's a pretty big deal um and we're gonna talk about that today sort of the issue of libertarians and where do they lie and do they end up hurting republicans or do they end up hurting democrats when they run and that's what we're going to talk about in this article. But uh, we want to get to plenty of time for you guys to talk and chat because that's the point of coffee in California politics. Um, must have been more on a recent one. I, I, I listen to every one, so I haven't checked out all of them. So <sighs> Today's roast is still Blackbeard's Delight from Black Rifle Coffee. I'm not sponsored by Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, but if they want to sponsor, I'd be more than happy to. So. Let's talk about this first story, and then we're going to get into the big article that I really want to dive into. Uh, not necessarily California politics, but I really do want to talk about it because there is an issue with sort of blind loyalty when it comes to uh, the Republican Party, especially here in California. I think there is an issue of blind loyalty and why, especially in California with the California GOP, we should be doing a lot better. So uh, this is an article. President Biden calls for resignation of L.A. Council members following racist audio recording during a press conference on Tuesday, president Joe Biden calls for the resignation of Los Angeles city council members, Nuri Martinez, Kevin DeLeon and Gil Cedillo as the LA racist recording scandal continues to grow. The audio recording, which then city council Nuri Martinez, she just recently stepped down as president city councilman, Kevin DeLeon and Gil Cedillo and Los Angeles County Federation of labor president Ron Herrera are all talking about redistricting, who should replace a city council member and other topics. However, strong racial comments, especially by Martinez and De Leon, kept arising during the audio, including Martinez calling the young black child of fellow councilman Mike Bonin a monkey. Um, well, she said it in Spanish, but it came out as monkey. Released on Sunday, the news of the recording spread fast and went from local to national news within hours. Uh, quote, this has been one of the most difficult times of my life, and I recognize this is entirely my own making, said Martinez in a state statement on Tuesday. At this moment, I need to take a leave of absence and take some time to have an honest and heartfelt conversation with my family, my constituents, and community leaders. I am so sorry to the residents of Council District 6, my colleagues, and the city of Los Angeles. So she's taken a leave of absence. She has not resigned. Uh, she stepped down as president, which a lot of people were saying was not good enough that um, you stepped down as president, but you're still a city council member, so you still get all the benefits of being a city council member. You're just not president anymore. Um, but the bigger story that a lot of people I'm sure have picked up on is you've set the rules and you've set these standards. And this is exactly what it is, is if you say something racist, if you condone something racist, 
if you're in the room and something racist happens and you don't immediately jump up and say, like, stop, this is racist behavior, I won't stand for it, um, then you obviously are going to get canceled. I mean, for example, uh, one of my guilty pleasures is The Bachelor and Chris Harrison uh, got kicked off of a show that he had been on for 20 years because he simply said that the girl was who was pictured in a Southern Plantation uh, ball or something. It's something that had to do with college. It was like a tradition. It goes all the way back. Um, simply because he said maybe we should give her a chance to explain herself. Um, that got him fired from a job that he had held down regularly for over 20 years. Um, so it just shows you that this is the standard. So even if you say, hey, hold on a sec, let's like maybe, uh, uh, I, I maybe we should just take a minute and figure this out. That will get you canceled. So enough that if you've been caught on tape, obviously you should be canceled. And people like Kevin DeLeon, who didn't really jump up and say anything, should be canceled and they should be. Ru- That's the standard you've set. Now, of course, uh, the higher ups are falling in line. The higher ups are pushing a lot of pressure onto the city council Um and Eric Garcetti, no one really cares about you. If you want to talk about someone who uh, flouts his own rules and doesn't live by his own standards, Eric Garcetti, you know, we all know Massgate over at the Super Bowl. Was it the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl or the, the championship game in L.A.? Uh, we all know that he's not that big on his own standards. Uh, he said that he wants them to step down. And he's, he said, I'll spend my remaining days at City Hall moving kindness, transparency and respect as core values of our city. This is the time to not only stand up to things we are against, but to do the hard work of bringing about the things we are for. Um, sadly, he's probably spending the last couple of days thinking about how he did not get that ambassadorship to India like he was expecting. Uh, however, the largest name demanding their resignation joined in on Tuesday afternoon. President Joe Biden. In a rare move to call for the resignation of officials at the local level, Biden, through White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, firmly put the highest office in the nation against the three council members. The president is glad to see that one of the participants in the conversation has resigned, but he believes they should all resign, noted Jean-Pierre in a press briefing. The language that was used and tolerated during the conversation was unacceptable and appalling. He believes they should all step down. The new high-profile lawmakers asking for the resignation has led to many believe resignation is no longer a matter of if, but when. So, obviously, you can't continue on there all three of them are likely going to resign at some point. Um, and they're going to be held to the same standard. So that's how it's, they created the rules. If Democrats want to create the rules and they want to create these standards, guess what? Then you have to play by your own standards. And obviously what Nori Martinez said and what all of them said was disgusting, but sorry, you set, you set the stage and that's it. You should be removed from office. You should resign. So with that story said, it's just, it's always interesting, and I think a lot of people on the right are probably saying that it's funny hearing Democrats who are always about anti-racism and uh, all of these issues around race, and then all of a sudden, behind closed doors, they are a whole different set of people and that they talk a whole different way. So keep following that story. I assume they'll probably, I, I, I pretty much assume that they're going to resign at some point. They can't hide behind closed doors. They hit the face. Uh, a whole bunch of protesters most recently. So let's talk about this article. That way I can get a lot of your 
points and what you guys think about this. Because I want to hear your points about this. And you can say whether I'm right, whether I'm wrong. But I think this is this is one to chew on. Um, the title of the article, and this is from American Greatness. Uh, will libertarian candidates again deny GOP the U.S. Senate? It's not necessarily, uh, that's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on the language and the, the logic that this author uses. The author uses this logic that to me is just abysmal. That's the best way to put it. It's really, really bad logic in terms of how you're trying to make your argument. He doesn't really make an argument outside of, well, this is the way things are, and therefore you should just vote Republican. So... It's going to be a lot of reading, but I want to jump in and talk about stuff. Uh, the political political reality in America is that of a two-party system. Embracing this reality means if you want to change the political direction of the nation, you have to transform one of the major parties. I agree with that. I would agree with that. I think there's plenty of chances to reform the major parties, and there's a number of ways you can do that. There's a number of ways you can get involved in your central committee meetings. There's ways you can get involved as delegates into your your preferred party. Um, you can get involved in your party and change it. And this is one thing that I always have applauded the libertarians for is what they did with the Mises caucus and how they changed the party. They saw that their party was going in a completely offshoot direction that had nothing to do with liberty anymore. When you have Joe Jorgensen, who was the libertarian candidate in 2020, saying it's not enough to be anti-racist, we must be actively anti-racist, or something to that effect. Um, They went ahead and did it. They said, look, we're going to change our party. I think the problem is that there's a lot of, and it's a little harder in a Republican and Democrat party, there's a lot of power and there's a lot of money, but I would agree with that. You can change your two parties. And so his his opening statement is that if you want to do something, you have to change one of the two parties denying this reality by running as a third party candidate can also transform the political direction of the nation, but it's unlikely to change in the direction. The third party candidate wants to go third party candidates rarely win in elections, but they're very good at splitting the vote. You hear that line a lot. You hear that line. A lot of people who say, well, don't vote for X because it will split the vote. If which does happen in some, which does happen in some instances. There are people who do funnel votes away. But that's his really his own argument, is that it does split the votes, and therefore, because of that, you should not really pay attention to third-party candidates or third parties at all. Like, here are your two choices. Don't listen Don't listen to these parties over here trying to bring stuff up um, and trying to bring up issues. Just look at these two parties, and you have to take one or the other. You have to choose the two, lesser of two evils. You know, you have to choose between a crap sandwich and a turd burger. That's really your choices. And and that's it. If you want to change them and you want to, that's, that's up to you. You got to do the work. But right now, these are the two choices and you got to go with it. This is only in the context of which the National Libertarian Party, quote, the party of principle is relevant in America today. This party with its principled candidates, above all else, believes in limited government. It's a good start. I believe in limited government. You would think that, Republicans also believe in limited government, correct? Which is to say they oppose socialism. And voila, when you split the anti-socialist vote, the socialist wins. It shouldn't be necessary to defend Republicans versus Democrats. Right now, the fact that Republicans are not Democrats should be enough. Um, 
That right there is probably one of the worst lines that I read in this whole thing. It should be necessary to defend Republicans versus Democrats. Right now, the fact that Republicans are not Democrats should be enough. They should be enough. That's it. Basically, the you right there is basically the entire platform of the California GOP. We're not Democrats. So vote for us because we're not Democrats. Um, does that sound like a compelling platform, a compelling political platform that you can jump on, that you can get behind and say, look, I want to vote for this party because they're not Democrats. Well, what else do they stand for? I don't know. Do they stand for uh, the nuclear family? Maybe. Do they stand for limited government? I don't know. Could be. Do they stand for... uh, do they stand for reducing the spending and cutting back agencies? Maybe. But they're not Democrats. Remember, that's the, the biggest thing. As long as they're not Democrats, that's all that matters. Um, even if many Republicans are just rhinos, there's that word again. We all love that word, rhinos. They generally vote with their party on the major issues, and in any case, when Republicans control the Senate or House, they have control over the budget, the court appointees, and the investigations. Overall, Republicans tend to approve less damaging legislation than Democrats. Hmm. Less damaging legislation than Democrats. Meaning, uh, so they support or they pass damaging legislation. It's not that bad. It's not really that bad. It's not really that bad. I don't know why you guys are really getting kind of like all... Like, why are you getting all upset? Because it's less damaging than whatever the Democrats are doing. So you should take that. Just take that. Um, and this whole idea that rhinos, they generally vote with their party on major issues. In any case, we have seen that since the kind of split between the establishment GOP and the MAGA party, that's not necessarily always true anymore, Right. It's now become, if you're MAGA, you're one type of Republican, and if you're an establishment, you're a whole different type of Republican. If you're a Mitt Romney, if you're a Liz Cheney, if you're Adam Kinzinger, you have these Republicans who are going to gum up the works, and they're not going to vote for stuff, right? Like they're, you know, Susan Collins is another one, Lisa Murkowski. You think of all these Republicans who are rhinos, they're not deadlocks for all of this legislation. They don't always vote with the party, and if the party is changing to a more of a populist conservative sort of uh, viewpoint, these rhinos and these establishment Republicans don't always vote the way you want them to. So this idea of, well, if we just vote all in Republicans, it'll be a lot better um, or it'll be less damaging than Democrats. Again, what it, put that on a bumper sticker. Vote Republican, less damaging than Democrats. Uh, we're still going to screw you, but we're going to screw you a little less. It's going to be a little nicer. Uh Guys really winning me over here with these excellent, excellent points of why I should vote for Republican. Just because. Just vote Republican. This is reality. This is politics in America. Consider the Republican leaders with national stature today. Then compare them to Democratic leaders with comparable visibility and influence. Maybe some of these Republicans are rough around the edges or don't agree with you or with each other on every issue. So what? Which gang do you want running the country? If you're a populist conservative or even if you're libertarian, the choice should be easy. Right. 
I mean, it's kind of like the saying that uh, Republicans are just Democrats driving the speed limit. Um, Meaning we're all headed towards hell in a handbasket, but Republicans just do it a little slower. That they kind of just put the brakes on while Democrats thrust us towards uh, a larger authoritarian government, more government control, higher taxes, all of this stuff. And Republicans are basically just like, well, no, 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 we're get, we're, we'll, we'll get there. But we're going to do it slowly so that our voters think we're really stopping anything. Um, and I think that frustrates a lot of people. Right. I, I think that frustrates a lot of people because they feel like they're not getting the represent representation that they really want and that Republicans really aren't standing for anything more than Democrat light. And that's really where the Republican Party is now. And that's probably why Trump and the MAGA movement inspired so much passion is because you had this candidate who came out and came out bold on a lot of things. And it pissed off a lot of people who were never going to vote for a Donald Trump ever in their lives. Um but it did get a lot of people on board to say, hey, you know what this guy's talking about building a wall and he's talking about being tough on China when it comes to trade. And he's talking about bringing manufacturing jobs back. Those are things you actually can campaign on that people are attracted to because they're solutions, because it's a different platform. If Democrats come out and say, well, we want to tax all of our millionaires and billionaires at 90 percent at the top marginal rate. It's more likely than not Republicans will come out and say, nah, actually, my tax proposal is that they'll be taxed at 70 percent. Right. Huh? OK, that's that's a lot better. Right. And instead of them saying, well, we should expand the Department of Education, like Democrats would say, what Republicans might come out and say is, well, I think maybe we should just kind of reform it around the edges as opposed to abolish it. You know, these are these are things that like the libertarians are saying, which is abolish these agencies, abolish the Federal Reserve. These are big idea platforms that people look at and go, OK, that's something I can get behind. Um, but the idea is that you should just vote Republican because strategically it will work out in the end. How much has that worked out for us electing establishment Republicans over and over and over and over again? Not very well. Uh, we can we continue to march to a bigger budget, bigger deficit, um, bigger debt. So, what what are we really doing here? Are the GOP really doing anything to stop what the Democrats are doing? Not necessarily. But this guy saying, "Well, just because they're less damaging, we should vote for them." Not really that great of an argument. In 2016 election, the Libertarian presidential candidate Gary Johnson attracted just over 4.5 million votes. Um, they always love to use this stat. That Gary Johnson took over 4.5 million votes. 2016 was a very polarizing election between two very polarizing candidates, Trump and Hillary Clinton. Those are two people that you may have loved Trump or, or thought he was great. There's a good portion of people who didn't like Trump and they also didn't like Hillary Clinton. And there's a lot of people who just didn't vote for anybody. Um, They just kind of sat it out and they said, well, I'm just not going to I'm not going to vote. Then there's some people who said, well, I'm going to vote for Gary Johnson just because I want to make a statement. I know a lot of people here in California who said, I'm going to vote for Gary Johnson 
just to make a statement because in the end, my vote's not really going to matter in the presidential election. But if I can run up the, the votes for the libertarian, why not? Um, the leftist equivalent Green Party candidate Jill Stein received only 1.5 million votes. Despite being a deeply flawed candidate, Gary Johnson moved the national popular vote from a toss-up to a clear Clinton edge. In the Electoral College, Johnson's influence was even greater. Now, I'll argue that 4.5 million votes across the entire nation doesn't necessarily sway the popular vote as much. Democrats are more likely to win the popular vote, which is why we have to hold on to the Electoral College, because cities vote for Democrats overwhelmingly. So L.A., San Francisco, New York, uh, Atlanta, all of these big cities, Chicago, they're all voting for Democrats at large, large numbers. Now, of course, Democrats would love if that was the way it goes, but that's not really the way it goes because the founders were smart enough to know that if we did that, all the cities would basically just control the entire country and rural areas would be completely forgotten. That's not the point of this episode, though. So this argument that just because Gary Johnson ran, it gave Hillary Clinton the edge in the popular vote. Who cares? The popular vote doesn't really matter. That's not exactly how you win a presidency is the popular vote. And we all know Democrats are going to get more votes anyway when it comes down to it. It's all about the Electoral College. Um, at a state level in 2016, Gary Johnson very nearly handed crucial states to Clinton. In Pennsylvania, where Trump's margin was 1.3 percentage point, Johnson got 2.4% of the vote. In Wisconsin, where Trump won by 0.6 percentage points, Johnson got 3.7% in uh, 3.7%. In Michigan, where Trump won by a razor-thin 0.3 percentage points, Johnson got 3.6%. Um, so here's the fallacy in this argument. The fallacy in this argument is assuming that every single person that he is quoting, so let's say Johnson got 2.4% of the vote in Pennsylvania. The fallacy there is is assuming that every single person, those are 2.4% that could have gone to Donald Trump and he could have won by a larger margin. Same thing in Wisconsin if he had gotten that. But that's not necessarily the case. And there was a, uh, a George Washington University battleground poll. This was released back in September of 2016 that a plurality of Johnson supporters would vote for Clinton if the Libertarian nominee were to drop out for some reason. More, more than 34% of Johnson and Jill Stein supporters say they'd back Hillary Clinton over Trump if they had to choose between the two. 26% picked the Republican nominee and 23% said neither. So, 34% said the plurality, meaning the most out of the entire, all the percentages, would have supported Hillary Clinton if they didn't have Johnson or Jill Stein as an alternative. 23% said they wouldn't even vote. They would just say, I'm not even going to vote. So this argument to me is always one of those, well, if libertarians didn't run, then we would have won by a lot more. Maybe, maybe Trump would have picked up a half of a percentage point, you know, in states that he already won. And again, I'm not saying Gary Johnson was great. Gary Johnson was a bozo of a candidate. Um, he was way too far left-leaning for my taste. I think he was, you know, his VP was anti-guns. That's probably why he would have taken more from Hillary Clinton supporters is because of the fact that he was more of a left-leaning libertarian. But this argument that just because Johnson got a percentage of the vote doesn't necessarily mean that Trump would have gotten all of those votes. He may have gotten a smaller percentage of that. Remember, it's only 23% of that entire plurality 
would have actually voted for Donald Trump. Um, so you're saying 23% of 2.4% would have voted for Donald Trump if it weren't for... So it's not really that big of a difference. You know, a lot of people will say that and they'll point out to it and say, well, it was a, a couple percentage points. Not necessarily. It's more of a, It's more like a quarter of a percentage point would have switched over to Trump, if possible, when it came to Gary Johnson. Uh, go on. They talk about Joe Jorgensen. Not really interested in talking about Joe Jorgensen uh, because 2020 was just a, a mess of everything. Um, libertarians frequently argue that they also take votes away from Democrats or they attract votes from people who have never, never not uh, have otherwise participated, which is true based on that poll and study shows that they actually do take some from Democrats. It's also possible the 2020 election was influenced more by other factors. Mark Zuckerberg's 400 million comes to mind as does the mass censorship of Hunter Biden to name only two. And so perhaps we should lay off libertarians or maybe not in close races. It remains the libertarian cans get Democrats elected. Uh, he talks about the Senate race. Uh, the battle for us Senate 2022, according to cook political includes eight races are currently listed as toss ups of those eight. There are six States with libertarian cans also in the race. They're Arizona, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. Only one of those states, Pennsylvania, has a Green Party candidate also running. The race in Arizona currently rated a toss-up by Cook bears a closer look. The Libertarian candidate Mark Victor raised over 60,000 individual contributions. These are through June 22nd and don't reflect contributions since then and may be substantial. Um, do, 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 do. So Mark Victor is the... Libertarian candidate in this race, Blake Masters, who Vinny Boy was very nice to bring up in the chat that Dave Smith actually came out and supported Blake Masters over Mark Victor. Um, Mark Victor might not be a Mises-style libertarian, and I can understand if he's not a Mises-style, like he's a woke libertarian uh, or a lolibertarian, as they like to call him. I could see why Dave Smith would support Blake Masters over this Mark Victor guy. So that could be a big deal right there. So the fact that libertarians... And Dave Smith has said this before on his podcast. He would rather support a really good uh, Republican than a just a libertarian. Yes, a lino, a libertarian in name only. Um, he said stuff like he would rather support like if there's good candidates like Rand Paul or Thomas Massey, support those Republicans. You know, don't waste time with other libertarians who are going to spoil the vote and get them prevented from getting and running. But. We don't know if this is really going to have that big of an impact on Arizona. Um, through June, he has only attracted a 21 donations, every one of them from California. So I guess because, you know, everything that comes out of California must be horrible, right? I mean, we're all just horrible. And every one of us is a, you know, bleed blue socialist. That's what it must mean. If it comes out of California, it must be awful. Uh, libertarian candidates have various motives. Some are running on principle, some to acquire celebrity status. And some are just so disillusioned with the Republican Party that they're running as spoilers. Um, I lost my place. Oh, some are right in principle. Some of them acquire slurry status. And some are just disillusioned with the Republican Party that they're running as spoilers to hasten its destruction. Republican candidates could be doing more to help themselves, offering a compelling and coherent vision of America's future instead of merely identifying the spectacular failures of the Democrats would be a good start. But the disunity, imperfections, and failures of Republicans doesn't justify their collective destruction. No. 
Overall, the ideological bias of Republican candidates and voters leans in the same direction as libertarians. Depends. Not all libertarians are exactly the same. They're not all, you know, Gadsden flag, don't tread on me, waving people. There are a lot of them who are also like former Democrats, former woke leftists who are now libertarian. The more powerful the Libertarian Party becomes, the more certain it is they will turn America over to Democrats, rendering the majority sentiments of Americans politically irrelevant. That's life in a two-party system. All right, so I'm going to get to your guys' comments on this. Let me know what you think. Do you think this author is correct? Do you think they're absolutely correct in the sense that we should just blindly support the Republican Party, whether they're horrible, they're awful, or they're just less damaging than Democrats. Is that what we should be doing? Is that really the, the where we should be headed in all of this is uh, we should be just blindly supporting them because otherwise you're letting the Democrats in and running. Here's my thoughts. Third-party candidates, and especially good third-party candidates, do make do have a good purpose. They do make uh, the arguments more prevalent than they otherwise would be. There are what we call issue candidates. Issue candidates, or that's what I like to call them. Some people also call them that. Issue candidates are, are candidates who run specifically because they know they're not going to win. But if they can get up on that stage and tell a national audience their ideas and their issues, you get voters to pay attention to that. Um, there's been a lot of issue candidates throughout history. There's been a lot of issue candidates in the past several years when it comes to presidential elections. And you probably don't remember any of them because none of them ever made it to the end. They were just there for one particular reason. And these issue candidates do that one job and they do it really well, which is they bring up these arguments and they bring up all of this stuff so that people can, voters can look at this and go, wow, these are issues I've never really even thought about. Um, but now I think about them. So, for example, if you had a libertarian candidate who's out there who's bringing up these issues and a Republican candidate, Let's say the libertarian part, the libertarian candidate right now is going out there saying, uh, look, we oppose all of the COVID lockdowns. We oppose all the COVID bailouts. Um, we oppose all of the extra spending and the wars overseas. These are our platforms. And the Republican comes out and says, uh, well, I'm not a Democrat and maybe I'll lower your taxes. What is the purpose of those two candidates? Well, one candidate actually has issues and ideas and stuff that they actually want to implement. The Republican gets the benefit of running just because it's a two-party system that they basically get to step back and go, well, it's a two-party system and I'm the Republican. I'm the only person opposing this Democrat and Democrats are awful. So just vote Republican, right? And that's usually what happens with a lot of voters, the midterm elections we're, we're yet to see what's going to happen. Um, midterm elections, usually right after a new president is elected, usually the new president and the new administration faces a backlash of people who are not happy with what has happened in the first two years of their presidency. Saw it with Trump. We saw it. And we're probably going to see it with Biden as well. You're going to see a backlash where people go, well, 
I don't like that guy in office, or therefore I'm going to vote for the other party. But where does that get us? Does that get us any closer to really making this country better, or are we just handing from one party to another? Are we just going, well, let's go from the socialist candidate to the lighter socialist candidate. And for Republicans to say that they are the anti-socialist, let's just take, uh, you know, let's just get in our time machines again. Do you all remember in 2020 when Trump was handing out money like it was candy on Halloween? Remember Trump bucks? Everyone was getting $1,200, $800. They were getting these nice little checks. Remember all the, the PPP loans and all that stuff? Trump bragged about how much money he spent. And look at this. is the biggest financial bill ever signed. It's so great. It's the biggest. It's the biggest bill ever in the history. And I signed it because I'm the greatest and it's big and it's huge. Okay. Um, that's what he bragged about is that he signed the biggest financial deal. Does that sound like a good Republican to you? Does that sound like that's less damaging? We're now dealing with inflation because there's so much money pumped into our system. Does that sound like that makes sense as a fiscal conservative or as somebody who believes in limited government and who doesn't believe in socialism or handouts? No, it sounds like very much like socialism. It sounds like the state got involved and the state paid people to stay home and it paid businesses to stay closed and it gave out trillions of dollars and billions to corporate welfare. So does that sound like the sort of anti-socialist vote that this guy is talking about? Doesn't sound like it to me. It sounds like they're just lighter socialism, right? And the Trump administration never put their foot down and said, I don't support all the lockdowns. We should never have locked down. He started it. You know, he started the 15 days to flatten the curve. It all came down from the top. After that, it sort of just kind of went on its own, just kind of got wild. But my point being is for you to just say, well, we're the Republicans and we're not Democrats. Don't pay attention to these other guys who are bringing up other guys and gals who are bringing up these really good points about liberty, freedom, and all this stuff that we should be really taking a good look at. Don't look at it that way. Look at it as we just want to put the brakes on. We want to pump the brakes a little bit on this car, which is driving off of a freaking cliff. We're going to pump the brakes. We're not going to head off the cliff, you know, in the next five minutes. Maybe we'll head off the cliff in the next 10 minutes because we're doing the speed limit. But at least we're not heading off the cliff as fast as possible. Now, likewise, the libertarian candidates have had an effect on Donald Trump in 2016 when he ran, where he said, let's talk about abolishing or auditing the Fed. That was something that Donald Trump said. He said, let's talk about auditing the Fed. He never said, let's abolish it, but he did talk about auditing the Fed. So this sort of issue candidate of a third candidate or a third party bringing up these issues forces Republicans, if you want those votes, don't just cry about, well, they took 2.4% and even though not all 2.4% would have actually gone to you, they took this percentage and we lost this state and we lost that state. Um, so it's all the libertarians fault. I would say it's the libertarians doing a good job getting people to actually vote for them because they brought up stuff that people are going to vote for and that people are going to support. If you want to win that vote and you are more likely to win, 
you should go out and win those voters. You should say, I'm going to reach out to that tiny little two or three percent block of voters because in a tight race, two or three percent can make all the difference in the world between being a squeaker and winning handedly. Maybe I should reach out to them. Maybe I should bring up those issues. Maybe I should talk about those issues. I should be better on these issues. And if third party candidates and third parties force Republicans or the big parties to do better, I think that's a win. Me personally. Um, that's me personally. You know, and someone just brought up Tulsi Gabbard. I had I hadn't actually had it brought up Tulsi Gabbard right now. Um, and this is you know, it, it's kind of funny coming on the heels of Tulsi Gabbard saying that she's no longer going to be a Democrat because of all these things. Shows you that blind loyalty is not the best way to go about it. It's not the best way to go, well, I have these two choices and I got to fit myself in one of these boxes. Like, let's say we had a whole bunch of parties, right? And you had uh, you had the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the Libertarian Party. Let's say you had the, the Socialist Party workers of America party and they're all relevant would you think that Bernie Sanders someone like a Bernie Sanders or AOC would be a Democrat no they would most likely be part of the socialist instead they're part of the Democratic Party because they know that that's the power and that if it's just blind loyalty and that's all they, they're looking for and they want to get into power you got to be part of the Democratic Party but props to Tulsi Gabbard for saying I'm not going to do it anymore I'm not just going to blindly follow the Democratic Party just because I'm not a Republican. Now, all, all of a sudden, everyone's going, oh, Tulsi, you should come over here and be a Republican. We're so much better. Are you that much better? And to kind of bring it back to like California and, and kind of finish on this before we get back into the, the comments and questions in the chat. That's sort of what's going on here in California. I saw someone bring up that there are good moderate Democrats in California. Now, you know, don't all of a sudden log off and be like, holy crap, I hate this. Um, there are good moderate Democrats. There are Democrats who I'd much rather have a moderate Democrat than a far leftist Democrat. And that is a little bit of strategy. But here in California, the California GOP, and I've said this a number of times, is this philosophy, which is we're not Democrats. And that's it. Their whole thing is let's point out how absurd California has gotten, which is fine. We can all point out how absurd California has gotten. But the difference is, is that if you're the major state party, the only major opposition party in the state, you should be doing a little bit more than just going, well, we're not Democrats, so you should vote for us. That's not a way to win an election. That's not a way to really rally support around you. And that's not how you're going to build your party up. And I don't think this whole, well, just vote for it because it's the better of the two, whether it's the, the crap burger or the turd sandwich or whatever, that which one is better. So with that, I think there's, there's a lot of room for improvement. And if, let's say, a libertarian party in California pushes the California GOP to be better, I'll be all for it. If it pushes libertarians to support better Republican candidates, I'm all for it. But you shouldn't just tell people to shut up and take it and blindly take it because that's un-American to me. That's un-American that you have to pledge loyalty or fealty to one of the two parties. That's not American to me. And for this author to be published on American greatness and to say that, say these things, 
is deeply un-American and not what makes America great. We should be able to choose who we want to support, how we want to organize, and not be worried about political parties and just playing the game. So otherwise, we're just going back and forth and we're going from socialist to anti, like socialist light. So, all right. Let me know your thoughts and comments. Got about 15 minutes left. I wish the Republicans got behind the state of Jefferson. Cal- culturally, California sees anything to the right of Arnold as fascist. Uh, regardless, both parties have their dinos and rhinos. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Most Dems in California vote with blind loyalty in the small percentage to actually do their research. It would be a wasted vote because the left comes out in droves so that they win. Right. Because there are, they have bigger numbers in California. And that's something I've always said is that when you have a two to one advantage, it's not hard to win elections when you have a two to one advantage. It's just how it is. And I don't think, you know, credit to the Democrats for getting to that point. Maybe they were always at 50%. Who knows? Maybe they've always been at 50% and Republicans went from 50% down to 25%. You know, it's more of a statement that the Republicans aren't able to hold on to registered voters as much as they should be, which tells you one thing. The Republican Party should get better in California. It absolutely has to get better in California. There has to be reform. There has to be a platform that people can get behind. And that's that's no ifs, ands, or buts. But blind loyalty is is good neither on the left nor on the right. You have to remember California is largely minorities and mostly Hispanics that uh, make the state as well as uh, African-American Asians. I have to admit the Dems do a solid job to get to minority votes. They do. Yeah, they absolutely do. Um, what are your thoughts on the house introducing a bill that would restore the gold standard? Um, I haven't seen it. I don't know if we can go back to the gold standard, to be honest, there's so much money in circulation. We would have to have a ton of gold to back every single dollar. And I don't know how that transition would go. I don't know if we'd be able to pay off our debts. So I think maybe the horse is out of the barn on that one. Um, so that's really, I, I, I mean, I, it's a shame we kind of went off of the gold standard a while back, back in 50 years ago, was it 50 years ago, uh, with Nixon, um, because now we have fiat currency and that's just absolutely awful the way it, it's been. But I don't think we can go back when it comes to the gold standard. I wish we could. I think you have to abolish the Federal Reserve to start off. I think that should be. But that's a whole separate. We can do a whole separate show about abolishing the Fed and why that would be better. I'd love to have someone on who, who's a big economics person who can explain this much better than I can. Uh, let's see. Other comments. Lay them on me. Comments, questions. Do, 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 do. Same bird, two wings. That's why I couldn't in good conscience choose to be a Dem or a Republican. Yeah. And that's a lot of people's frustration. Um, people are frustrated. Regardless, no matter what Trump will run again, money to him is not a problem. And he has to run again. And he has a lot of support from his own party. Um, I don't know. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see whether he runs or not. I'm not sure if he, he really wants to. I don't know. I think DeSantis is, is the clearer choice, but you know, if Trump runs again, I think it'll just, 
get fuel. I the left is probably hoping Trump runs again. They probably want Trump to run again because it will increase their ratings. They'll make more money off of it, and they have something to, um, something to really rail again. It'd be great to see the more debates with libertarians so that they can bring up the good topics so people can see how the DNR can respond to some real issues. I agree, and there is a lot of issues with. Uh, when it comes to uh, ballot access and stuff like that, that third parties aren't really allowed, um, that they don't really get a good placement, and they're not really allowed in debates, which I think is kind of a shame. I think there should be all of them. Um, I, I think there should be debates between Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Green Party. I think there should be all these ideas because... Uh, you know, I think that people need to hear these ideas. They need to hear ideas outside of the two politically approved, um, the two politically approved parties. And when you have two parties that the media and everybody can control, it's a lot easier to funnel the same ideas over and over again to give people this is the illusion of the only choice that you have are these two parties. Um, so if they bring in a whole bunch of other people or at least a couple of other people, then there'll be a whole bunch of people. If they bring on a couple more people to bring up ideas, then you can't really control what they're going to say. And then you might have one of these, you know, crazy libertarians saying, let's abolish all the, you know, department of education, the fed and da da da, And let's do all away with all this and bring everyone home from war and get rid of all of our foreign bases and all that stuff. Um, you know, that's that's why I don't think they really want that many people. That's why they don't want libertarians or anything like that. I mean, look what happened with Ross Perot. Ross Perot was allowed to be on the stage, and he brought up all these different issues, and he won a good percentage of the vote. He won double digits as a third-party candidate. Probably cost George W. Bush the election. That's a case where he probably did cost George W. Bush the election. Um, so, yeah. I joined a well-known group of Republicans. They wouldn't go into areas that needed it the most. They would only hold events in echo chambers. So I left. This is who Republicans are. Um, I literally have to search my car for gas money. Yeah, it's getting bad out there. It's really bad. Like I said, it's going to affect people's driving and, and their driving habits and all that. But yeah, Republicans are not very good, especially in California. You're behind the eight ball. You're not going to win over voters by going to the same old places over and over and over again and Cole Bricado brought this up on a previous podcast episode where he was on with us and he talked about how he had gone into neighborhoods where there were never Republicans ever showed up and that he talked to him and he was like hey and by the way I'm running as a Republican and people were like you know we've never had a Republican come into this neighborhood and they agreed with him on a lot of things and it just so happened all he had to do was talk to people and get that out there and it's it's tough because you have to get people who want to walk and talk about this stuff. And, you know, they don't want it's hard. I'm not going to lie. Walking is tough. Um, but Republicans really do have to get better at going out into these neighborhoods and areas that are not typically typically Republican, you know, and, and they got to they got to start finding votes. Otherwise, you're, you're just going to continue to become more of a marginalized party that doesn't really have any power in the state of California. So. You're going to have to go out and do these things. You're going to have to go out in areas and talk to people and say, hey, this is our platform. This is what you support. Blah, blah, blah. Can we get you to maybe can we count on your vote? Um, so 
and, and you can't keep going to the same old places. Uh, if the Calvary GOP loses Orange County, uh, well, I mean, they sort of already lost it. I mean, it has Democratic Congress. Well, you know, you still have Michelle Young and Sean and what's her name? Is it uh, right? Michelle Young and Young Kim. Michelle, Michelle Steele and Young Kim. Sorry. Um, but overall, OC is trending in the wrong direction. So there's a lot of problems going on there. I mean, it's happening here in San Diego. San Diego was had a lot of red representation. It's gotten more and more blue. And now we have uh, Todd Gloria running the helm. And, you know, homelessness is worse than ever. So here we are. There's still hope for San Diego, though. I think there's a good amount of representation out here. I don't think it's it's completely deep blue. It's not as deep blue as most people think it is. Um, I would say San Diego is more purple. All right, got a couple minutes left. Any more chats? Any more questions? Um, I'll be out of town next week, so there won't be a podcast or coffee in California politics. Um, but I'll be back the following week and then we got the big event on the 29th which is going to be epic i can't guarantee i will do a trump impersonation at the 29th um for everybody there but it should be fun uh there's gonna be a lot of great candidates it's gonna be a really fun event to host um and just to see a lot of people i think it's important to see the people who are you know all together and i think that's one of the reasons why I created this podcast, why I created this platform was that people can feel like, Hey, I'm not alone in California. There's other people out there who think like I do. Um, and I think coming out and seeing, um, seeing all the numbers and all that will be really good for people get them really energized. Um, because there's some, there's some great candidates. Um, and there is, you know, some candidates who have a great shot, like Lonnie Chen has a shot, um, to win a statewide office, which would be a first for a Republican in a long time. So, and uh, Brian Dollar will be there. He was on the show last week. If you haven't checked out that interview, definitely go check it out. It's up on YouTube, or you can check it out on audio, any audio podcast, anything like that. So, all right. With that said, I'm going to log off for the day. Tomorrow night, we're going to do a prop breakdown. Two propositions. We're going to do prop one, and we're going to do prop 30. We're going to talk about those two because um, election's coming up. It's only you know several, less than a month away. We're almost we're in the final stretch. This is the home stretch here. Um, and then we have the, what else is coming up? Oh, we have Sunday night, the 23rd, which is going to be the debate. I think we're going to live stream the debate. Uh, so that should be really exciting. So with that said, uh, thanks everyone. And I'll see you on the next one later. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 